The 2022 college football season has some intriguing week one matchups in the non-conference slate for Pac-12 schools. Who has the best opportunity? We'll answer that question today. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Thank you for those of you that have already done so and are planning to do so as well. Back in my usual studio, I finally made my way back to my uh, my place of residence right now, which is in Cedar City, Utah, for those of you who did not know. Speaking of Utah, when you look at the non-conference slate for the Pac-12 in the 2022 football season, we'll, we'll start with week one. And as the show goes on, we'll look at the other games as well because we're less than 100 days away to kick off, which is pretty darn exciting if you ask me. We're officially into the summer months. The countdown to college football is so very on. So let's look at week one and the opportunities presented to a bevy of Pac-12 teams. And then later in the show, we're going to do a coach evaluation here for Herm Edwards of Arizona State. And it's going to be the lowest rated one yet. Uh, at least I think it is. Yeah, I mean, he and Wilcox, like, kind of similar, but Herm's like, eh, not great. But that'll come later. So let's get to the non-conference stuff. The first game that a Pac-12 school has on on national TV. And those are the games we're looking at here because those are the biggest ones, right? You you typically have matchups that are worth watching are going to be on on national TV, whereas the ones in week one, like Arizona State, the aforementioned Sun Devils, have NAU on, I think, Thursday, September 1st. But is that really a big-time matchup? No, unless ASU turns it into a big-time matchup and starts the season off the way Arizona did last year with an utter catastrophe losing to an FCS school or like Washington did a season ago. But I don't see that taking place. The first game that Pac-12 fans writ large will pay attention to that's on ESPN is Friday, September 2nd. You've got TCU at Colorado. The other five that are nationally televised in week one, you've got Arizona at San Diego State on Saturday, September 3rd. Also my birthday, so should be a pretty fun day. Kind of the, the big return of college football. That's a That's a good enough birthday present for me. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You've got Arizona at San Diego State on CBS. Then you've got Oregon at Georgia on ABC. And right now that line is Georgia minus 17 and a half. Vegas, not giving the Ducks much of a chance to go down in Georgia. And by the way, I say Oregon at Georgia. It's technically a neutral site game. Okay. It's in Atlanta. All right. Utah at Florida is on ESPN. Utes favored right now down in the swamp, minus two and a half. I've talked a lot on this show about how Utah, I think amongst college football fans gets underrated, but Vegas never lies. They like the Utes and, you know, Florida is off of a disappointing 2021 season, but that's still the Florida Gators. That's still going into the swamp. And for Utah to be a road favorite, I think says a lot about what Utah could potentially be this year. We'll talk about that opportunity in a sec. Then after that, you've got Boise State at Oregon State on ESPN. Beavs minus 4.0 right now, even four on, on the spread. 
I think that's about right. Boise State was, I think, seven and five, seven, eight win team a season ago, and they've been you know, a rock solid program and then some over the years. But Oregon State, they can make a big time statement there. I'll get to that here momentarily as well. And then the last one is on FS1. You've got Kent State at Washington, which big opportunity for Kalen DeBort. Now, Washington should win that game pretty handily. But if they do so, I think it'll have Husky fans feeling good about where they are. Who's going to be starting quarterback for him? We don't really know. It'll probably be Michael Penix. But do we know that for sure? Mm, not really. So which national TV games are, are we most excited about looking at that entire lineup in week one? I'm not looking at week two or, or week three in terms of the non-conference slate yet. Just focusing here on week one. I think number one. Utah at Florida. That's the game that, that has to stand out the most, even more so than Oregon, Georgia, because Dan Lanning's a first year, first time head coach, first time play caller in, in Kenny Dillingham or a first full time play caller. That is, there's a lot of things stacked against the Ducks in that game. And that spread 17 and a half is, is reflective of that. A, a noted, a notable game from the past that was 17 and a half was when Bama played Notre Dame in the 2020 college football playoff. Yeah, I think it was final score Bama by 17, which that half point hook Vegas will get you every single time. But I, I think Utah at Florida is a huge opportunity. A absolutely massive. If you go in there, regardless of whether or not Florida is at its peak, which it certainly is not, and they're undergoing a coaching change. If you go into that swamp on ESPN and you win that game, if you're Utah as Vegas expects them to, at least at this point in time, you make a statement, not just in the Pac-12, but nationally. A anytime you have a Pac-12 school winning a game against an SEC opponent, particularly on the road, especially, synonyms are fun, when you're in an environment like the Swamp, which is one of the best in all the land, frankly, that's a big, big time statement there for, for Utah. So I, I'm, I'm stoked for that game because I think Florida would be better than they were a season ago. But I also think that Utah is going to maybe not quite be where they were at the end of last season, but can still be in that sort of range. You just you lose players like Devin Lloyd, Nephi Sewell. Those are pretty high-impact players, but Cameron Rising is back, or Cam Rising is back. I don't think he goes by Cameron, really. Tavion Thomas, you know the defense will will be able to find some players. That That's just a massive opportunity for the conference to, to be able to go into SEC country, come out with a win. That, that'd be huge. So I think that's... That's the one I'm most excited about when, when I look at week one. The next one that I think Pac-12 fans are most excited about in terms of interest around the game is not going to be a close one. It's Rice at USC. This is going to be Lincoln Riley's first game. You only get one chance to make a first impression. And Rice is going in there as a 35-point underdog. So USC is going to win the game, but it's going to be a question of how much. If it's close going into the fourth quarter, that might put some Trojan fans on edge. They're like, uh, what, uh, what, what What? are we doing here? Like, why is this Why is this not clicking a little bit sooner? But if USC comes out and they're up 42 to nothing at the half, that's going to turn some heads as well. Like, oh, well, that's what the old USC teams used to do. And the old Stanford and Oregon teams that were really, really good, that's what they used to do to an opponent like that. So I think how Lincoln Riley makes his entrance to the college football world as USC's head coach, I, I think that's going to generate plenty of interest across the conference. 
And then there's one more that I think we're all pretty clearly excited about because of what happened last year. I'll explain after I tell you. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure pointless or intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, yada, yada, yada. Just save time and money when using Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The last game we're all excited for is Oregon-Georgia because a year ago, without Kayvon Thibodeau, the Ducks went into the horseshoe as a 14 and a half point underdog. Now, an extra field goal there is pretty significant in terms of how the, the odds makers view that particular matchup. But that's a big opportunity because no one expected Oregon to win a season ago. I certainly didn't expect Oregon to win a season ago. And then they did catapulted themselves into the college football playoff discussion, then played themselves out of it by the time they you know got to the end of the schedule in the conference slate and played this team known as the Utah Utes who just kind of, you know, kicked their butts all the way up and down the field and twice on Sunday. So I think that that's the obvious game that stands out because how often does a Pac-12 team get to play the defending national champions, you know, and the question will be asked, can the Ducks do it again? Can Dan Lanning make that sort of splashy first impression? You come out in your first game, beat the school where you were before, where you just won a national championship. And they've lost a lot of players, but Oregon's lost a handful as well. New offensive and defensive system. I expect Georgia to win the game. But if Oregon pulls that upset, that's going to create some uh, some shockwaves in the college football world. I think maybe even more so than Ohio State did a season ago. Uh, round out week one uh, of the non-conference slate, which, again, is less than 100 days away. I can't wait. You can't wait. We all can't wait. It's just like ice cream. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Yeah, everybody screams for college football because it's less than 100 days away. The countdown is so on. If I had to rank, and I'm going to here, the teams that have the biggest opportunities, the, the opportunities that can completely change a season outlook among the games that I was just talking about and, and then one more, I'd say Oregon is number one. You beat Georgia. I mean, that is even bigger than Utah beating Florida because of what Georgia was a season ago and, and what they've been as a program, whereas Florida's been a little bit more up and down. I think Oregon's got the best opportunity, and Utah is right behind them at, at number two in terms of impact wins for the Pac-12 conference. I think Oregon State is number three. Boise State has got a, a relatively young and new head coach and former Oregon defensive coordinator, Andy Avalos, who I, I think is really, really sharp. But is he cut out to be the head coach of Boise State? I, I, I don't know. It's a little bit early to, to tell, but so far the early returns are just kind of okay. They did beat BYU last year, which is a which was a pretty significant win for them. But I think if you're the Beavs, you come out, you win that game. It helps to set the tone for the rest of the season, whereas last year, they they struggled going to Indiana and they lost to Purdue, a game that they very easily could have won. That ended up being a, kind of a microcosm over the rest of the year. Some really good moments. You see the potential, but just not quite able to get over the hump. You come out, come out in week one, beat Boise State. Doesn't matter if it's at home because the home field advantage is going to be nullified for, for Oregon State anyway. And it's not like Boise is making a cross-country trip. 
to go to Corvallis there. I think you have the opportunity to, if you get off to a strong start, you could see Oregon State sneak into the top 25. But in order to do that, you have to have the strong start, but you have to have the win against Boise as well. And then the, the fourth best opportunity, I don't think is USC and Rice. That's one of the games they think is most exciting, but this is a, a different sort of a smaller conversation here. One of the biggest opportunities is that first game I mentioned, Colorado. They're hosting TCU. Now, I expect Colorado to be at the bottom of the conference this year. That's where they're, they look to be as a program. They were 4-8 and eight a season ago. A number of players left. Stuff is just not going the Buffs' way at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're 2-10 and 10 in 2022. I, I really wouldn't. I mean, they could even be Arizona of last year. It could be a, a, a real struggle sesh, as the youth say, for, for Colorado this season. However, if you come out and pull this upset, win this game, suddenly we look at Colorado completely differently. And we say, whoa, maybe Carl Durrell is figuring something out over there, and they're not going to be a pushover team and could maybe pull a, a sneaky upset of, you know, in Oregon or a USC, a UCLA, you, you never know. But how they perform in that game against TCU, I think will be will be pretty indicative. Let's move on to our next coaching evaluation. And it's Herm Edwards down at Arizona State in Tempe, where things are not going so great right now. For those of you that have forgotten, I will remind you once again, I'm grading these coaches in five areas. Overall. Recruiting, game management, and scheme. Mind is going blank a little bit right now, so I got to refer to my notes to look at the other two, player development, and then assistant hires. And amongst this uh, this group, we're going to have one of our lowest individual grades for a subset of a coach. But Herm Edwards overall, in 2022, ASU's got the 103rd ranked high school recruiting class. That's not good. They do have the 17th ranked transfer class for a net composite rating on 24-7 of 54th, which is salvaging what has been the probably weakest stretch of recruiting for ASU in a singular season. And uh, they added 14 transfers. That's that, that's a lot of bodies. And they kind of needed that because they had more kids than that transfer out of the program, including Jermaine Lole and Jaden Daniels, who were expected to be two of their better players coming into the year. Instead, they will play elsewhere. Lole went to Louisville, I believe, and Jaden Daniels down to LSU. So it, it, it's tough for, for Herm Edwards because the recruiting is going down, so recruiting gets a C. And, and I'm going to go recruiting first before I get back to the overall because they kind of tie into one another. But the recruiting for Herm Edwards at Arizona State actually started off really well. They had a couple of top 30 classes. Another one was just outside the top 30 back in 2018. They were recruiting at a level where you would expect Arizona State to be if the program is in a place where you'd say it's strong and succeeding and doing well. But the last two have just fallen off substantially, and the uh, the scandal's a part of it. I, I mean, scandal investigation, violation, you call it whatever you want. That's clearly playing a part here. I mean, that's led to a mass exodus of, of assistance and the recruiting has just gone into the tank and players are leaving the program. It just it just feels like everything is in disarray down in Tempe to the point where a radio host was actually uh, down in, in, near Arizona State asked the president of the university, why is Herm Edwards still the football coach at Arizona State? That's not great. That is, that is not a great place to be 
Um, and, and you know, when I, when I say like, oh, the recruiting's falling off so hard, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the investigation from the NCAA with regards to the recruiting violations from COVID time and don't need to go into it. You can read up on it. The problem they have right now, which really, really sucks for them, is they have no timeline from the NCAA on when they're going to get a, a ruling on that. So that's a tough spot to be in, and, and it's reflected in how the, the recruiting is going. So overall, I do give the recruiting a C for ASU because of those early strong classes. I'm not looking at just at recent history here, but I, I am looking at the entirety of these coaches tenure right that's why david shaw gets an a minus despite having two of three losing seasons in the past in the past few years as the head coach for stanford his first six years were as dominant a run as we've seen in the pac 12 in in the last 20 years i mean it's like that stanford team you know coming off of the the jim harbaugh led stanford cardinal and then he went to the nfl and whatnot but Shaw had a great run. Chip Kelly had a great run. Pete Carroll, of course, the most dominant run in the conference in the last 20 years or so. I mean, there have been some really good ones, but that Stanford team was definitely up there. So the recruiting gets a C. His overall grade gets a C as well. I'll tell you why after I remind you that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, go Mariners, fights and even next season's NFL futures bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts. So Herm Edward, Herm, Herm Edwards. Yeah. Like he's German or something. No. Herm Edwards overall grade. As the head coach of Arizona State through three full seasons and four total with 2020 being in there is a C, which for me, I'm not an easy grader. That's average. I, I'd say he's average because ASU has been pretty average. The recruiting started off pretty well, has fallen off substantially. The recruiting violations, definitely a part of that. In three full seasons at Arizona State, again, I'm just throwing out 2020. He's 23 and 16 and 15 and 12 in Pac-12 play. That's not bad. It, it, it's really not bad. And that's the context that always has to be provided when you talk about like, oh, Herm Edwards is a disaster and Herm Edwards is not doing this. And it's not to. He's above 500 in conference play and he's above 500 overall as well. And, and that's not nothing. Plus, in 2021, they went six and three against Pac-12 foes, which was their best mark in conference play since 2017 before he got there. So you'd think that that would be something that could be a selling point going into the offseason. I think it would have helped if they'd won a bowl game, but they lost to Wisconsin 20 to 13. And I think it was the, the Sun Bowl, but they haven't been six and three in Pac-12 play since the 2017 year under Todd Graham, who got fired after a seven and six season that included a loss in, in the Sun Bowl. But the reason that Herm Edwards is average and, you know, if he were at, at Cal, I'd probably say no seasons under 500. That's above average for what you expect from the Cal from the Cal Bears or Colorado. Same sort of thing. Or even Arizona the last few years, if that's where he had been. But Arizona State got rid of Todd Graham because he was perennially around 500 after back to back 10 win seasons. Right. And, and they took a step back and then they just kind of plateaued right there. They weren't cratering, but they also weren't elevating back to that 10 win level. And so I thought about 
all the recent news that we've seen with Herm Edwards that hasn't been good as it pertains to the football program and saying, boy, maybe he's a C minus. Heck, could he be a D plus? But I, but I can't do that because he hasn't been under 500. And he just went six and three in Pac-12 play. So to describe him as a head coach in the in the conference is totally incompetent. I just think it is inaccurate. But I give him the average grade because things are not looking good. And he also hasn't elevated them. He's kind of kept them basically right where they were at when, when Todd Graham fired in terms of their record. Now he's had a couple eight win years and Graham was kind of five wins, seven wins, five and then seven, seven. And then he got fired. But that's just one more way like that. That's not what you were expecting when you brought in a former NFL head coach. And so his, his overall grade right now is a C. But I tell you what, he might have the hottest seat in the Pac-12 going into to 2022 that might be a good segment idea who's got the hottest seat in the pac 12 i think it's herm edwards because you got the investigation looming out there the assistants were a mass exodus this year because of it and now the recruiting is taking a hit and you're relying on the portal and it just things could go really wrong for asu this year but again they also have some of the infrastructure still in place to be a solid team but i, I wouldn't be surprised also if they ended up going like four and eight five and seven they fire Herm Edwards, look for look for a different coach. Game management and scheme, I, I give Edwards a C- minus here. You know, that's slightly below average. When you look at how he recruited during his first couple seasons, it was really solid. And I think at the time should have given Sun Devil fans a reason to, to feel confident about the momentum that he was building, the rosters that he was assembling. You had perennial top 30 recruiting classes. You had a couple of them on there, right? And then the 36th ranked cl- class, I think it was, in 2018 when uh, when he was hired and took over for Todd Graham. I I just look at those recruiting classes and say, well, why weren't the on-field results better? I, I, I mean, they, they should be better. They, they just should be. And that's why I say that game management scheme has to be below average because I don't think they've been lacking for players during his tenure the way that, that other schools have, like a Colorado or an Oregon State while Jonathan Smith has been rebuilding a backup or, uh, or or a cow as well that doesn't typically recruit at a very high level because it's a tough place to to get players. But, you know, in his three full seasons, he's gone seven and six, eight and five, eight and five. That's not bad. But did I expect more once I, you know, dug into it and saw, boy, they, they brought in some really nice classes with some really promising players, and it looks like they just didn't develop them. And player development, I'm giving him a C plus. I think that's the most generous grade I've given out. The reason that I, I have it as a C plus is because when Jay, when uh, when Jaden Daniels left, I thought he was starting to become a pretty solid quarterback in college football on a national level, and maybe an NFL guy, maybe not. But you know, I take a late round flyer on him. Perhaps uh, Rashad White just went to the NFL in the third round. They've had some good rece- receivers who have gone. You know, Brandon Ayuk, notably among them. But, you know, that, that's the only reason that I that I don't have this graded lower, this area for Herm Edwards is graded lower because, boy, I just looked at those classes and I was like, man, they needed to be better. And, and so they've developed some nice players. And, you know, Jermaine Lole is a guy who grew within the ASU program, became a really nice player. Kind of strange he went to Louisville. He could have gone elsewhere. But, you know, I, I just think the game management scheme has, you have to look at it and go, that's not up to par with what the, the recruiting potential was and or what the potential of the program was with, with where the recruiting was at when he first got there in the first couple of seasons, it just wasn't translating. And then we get to the lowest individual coaching grade 
for an area I've given out so far. I don't know if another one will get lower. We'll just kind of have to wait and see, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show so that you can keep up with all of the coaching evals in this running series I've been doing, and you can hear all 12, including the ones who haven't coached a game in the Pac-12. I'll find a way to do it. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. Uh, assistant hires. I'm going D+. plus. It's a D plus. Hey, this is the first grade where I've gone. This can't. This can't start with a C. This this letter grade cannot start with a C. Now an F would have to be again more full scale full scale disaster. They're winning too many games for me to give them an F in in any area. Right, seven and six, eight and five, eight and five. Don't care what program you are at. Even if it were USC, I couldn't give you an F, right? I could give you a D if you did that at USC, but I could not give you an F if you're over 500. That's just kind of a general rule that, that I've uh, formulated here impromptu, uh, frankly. But, you know, when you're talking about the on-field performance not living up to the, the hype they had or the potential they had with the recruiting classes they had brought in, and they're underwhelming on, on the trail, they're underwhelming on the field, and they're in the middle of an investigation. That's why a bunch of assistant coaches had to leave. That's how you get a D plus. That, that that is it's that's a bad situation, and I just think that the staff has now had to be had to be had to have been. Anyway, they completely reworked the staff and all the assistants because the previous ones weren't working out for a litany of reasons. And so you know, Herm Edwards again, assistant hires D plus player development. C plus, but just barely game management and scheme C minus recruiting a C only because of a strong start really fallen off as of late though. Strong transfer portal class in 2022 with 14 players. And then overall a C for Herm Edwards average. He's, he's been average. Hasn't been a total disaster. We'll see what happens this year, but they've been above 500 every year that, that every full season that he has been there. And that does count for something. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.